You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 145, covering First Contact with Kevin Lynch. Hi friends, time for movie number two. Yes, it's First Contact. Again! Is it again? Oh, I suppose it is again. And, yeah. uh, hi, Flonk. How's it going? Hello. You chose this one because it's your favorite. We don't have any it is my favorite. complicated reasons this, this time. It's the good one. Right. I still, I still don't hate Generations. I did hate this one a lot less than I remembered, but, uh, I still don't hate Generations. The I other two. I'm picking one of the other ones because I can say nice things about them, but why would I when I, when I get to the thing first and I can pick the good one? Well, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you like to challenge yourself. Matt, usually when it comes down to which one do you want, he'll usually pick the bad one just because he can make better jokes. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, yeah, some- I hate Nemesis so much I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Well, see, that's we the nice, that. that's the nice thing about the movies is we all get to, to say what we saw. So, uh, yep. I don't remember a damn thing. I should write my summary for that now with what I remember about it, which is like, I think two things, which is nothing. Yes. I, it is so unmemorable to me that there just, was a dune buggy and then some Romulans happened. Oh, and I remember, I remember B4. Ugh. So there's that. Looking forward to that. Man, we got a, we got a long way to fall from where we are right now. Mm-hmm. It's been a long way fallen. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's a long road getting from here to there. Uh, ah. That's one of the reasons I thought I hated this movie is because it's indirectly responsible for Enterprise. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of this goes on to be Enterprise. But that's not this movie's fault. So, uh, so I take it back. Mm. Flock. Yo. Why don't you tell us about this movie? All right. <clears throat> We are the Borg. Your life as you know it is over. Your biological and technological distinctiveness will be added to our own. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. Species 08812, designation human, continues to resist. We will attack their homeworld in Sector 001. This tactic has been tried before and failed, but we are Borg. We will adapt. We will create a representative to speak for the collective. We have also tried this with Locutus, and the humans resisted. We will adapt. We will give Locutus tits and a personality. We have assimilated a human designated Rip Hunter and are now in possession of a time sphere. We will attack the humans at a point in their history when they are unable to defend themselves. The plan is successful. Earth is now the anchor of Borg territory in the Alpha Quadrant. The Borg adventure is just beginning. <laughs> that doesn't feel like the movie I just saw at all. It's the best like- part of the movie that we just saw. Well, that's fair. I enjoy getting back to the uh, Trek movie tradition of going from the villain's point of view. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm surprised you didn't try that with uh, sexy Malcolm McDowell last week. It's true. All right, fine. I'll do the rest of the movie too. What's that coming through the time hole? The Enterprise? Oh no! Oh, <laughs> I get it. We I... the Borg are fucked. <coughs> no, no, no. It's I the Borg with tits represent we I, the, the Borg. Borg. We are every is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Man, if only Riker with a beard would have been in this. That would have been so much better. Uh, with the full beard, the, not the not the normal beard. He had the normal yes. beard. Of course he had the normal beard. The all beard. Yes. <laughs> the er beard. All right, Matt, you go. So the Borg are back again, fresh from shaking off lore or whatever the fuck. Anyway, so the Enterprise is sent to the neutral zone because everyone's worried that Picard is going to give up all the Bo- give all the Borg little party hats or something. Luckily, fuck our orders, and the Enterprise shows up to save the Earth and the, and the Defiant, which luckily only contains Worf and absolutely no other DS9 crew members, despite the fact that it's not actually Worf's ship, and there are always other DS9 crew members. Fine, whatever. So the Earth is saved, but the Borg have a plan. 
use time travel because it's really easy. And then they fuck off back to Earth in the 21st century so that they can keep humans from ever creating warp drive and forming the Federation. But why the 21st century? Why not the 17th century? Why not the Great Depression? Why not send a Borg to meet Charlemagne? Well, nuts to you, pal. We're going to a slightly less futury future. So the Borg attack the warp drive prototype, and the Enterprise beams down some guys to help out. Also, they kidnap a wounded woman named Lily, because fuck you, Temporal Prime Directive. And here's Zephyrin Cochran, creator of the warp drive and owner of Babe the Gallant Pig. So here's how this goes down. Some of the crew stay on Earth to fix the prototype, whilst others return to the Enterprise, which now it's, has itself a nasty little Borg infestation. So the Borg kidnap Data, and Picard freaks out, man! He's running around, breaking shit, kicking stuff over. Dude is mad! Meanwhile, on the planet, the crew fixes the ship, and Zephyrin Cochran is worried about creating the warp drive. He gets over it. Meanwhile, in space, Data is seduced by the Borg Queen. Yeah, that's a thing now. Because the Borger ants. Whatever. So Picard risks his life to sneak in and steal Data back from the Borg Queen by shooting her with a flamethrower and then setting fire to all the Borg Queen's eggs. And then he and Data escape, escape, but the Borg Queen detaches herself from her giant butt and follows them. And then Picard and Data escape to a shuttlecraft driven by Bishop, and it looks like everything is going to be fine when the Borg Queen stabs Bishop through the, with her tail and kills him. And then the Borg Queen attacks Data and Picard crawls into a load lifter, and her and the Queen fight. Get away from her, you bitch, says Picard. And then Picard knocks the Borg Queen out of an airlock, and she dies. Picard and Data escape, but Data dies before insurrection starts, so none of that really matters. I'm not entirely sure that's the movie I saw, either. <laughs> what are you saying? Both of us didn't get the movie right? Very different movies. Yeah, apparently so, and we all just watched it together, too. That was the strange thing. Rashomon, the shit. <laughs> This was more a t- accurately, that episode of Batman. <laughs> this was a typo, I know, but uh, I like Charlemagne. <laughs> I think we should all retcon the history books and call him Charlemagne from now Charlemagne. on. He's scratching his hair. Right. <laughs> okay. Charlemagne. Now me. Hey, remember the Borg? So does Picard for the first time in, like, five years. In fairness, he's gone through a lot of shit since then, what with the living in eternal bliss and the brutal torture and that whole other lifetime he led, so it's been hard to pencil in time for post-assimilation stress disorder. But now he's dreaming about them, and... Quelle coincidence! They're attacking Earth again! Must be Thursday. The new Enterprise E, you can tell it's new because the bridge has been replaced by a spacious hotel lobby, has been ordered to Earth, not to Earth, but to the Neutral Zone. And that's how they say it, the Neutral Zone. Apparently, Starfleet is concerned that JLP might be a sleeper agent for Los Borg. Which I guess makes sense, except that this didn't stop them from putting him right back in the captain's chair in the first goddamn place. Well, whatever. This being one of the movies, nobody's obligated to act in characters, so the captain blatantly disregards his orders and then goes to help Earth. Then they and the Borg go back in time for some reason. The crew splits off into teams. One team will take off their shirts and stay, say stuff like lock and load and stay frosty and fight the Borg, and the other will comically get trashed with history's greatest space pioneer, Otis the Drunk from Andy Griffith. <laughs> <laughs> team Picard soon discovers that the Borg aren't some kind of collective hive mind at all, but actually have a queen. Yes, hello, subjects. And always had a queen. Don't you remember her from Best of Both Worlds? And Q who? You should, because she was totally there the entire time. And she uses her creepy queen sexuality to, su- to seduce Data. This makes total sense, so there's no need to stop and think about it for even the tiniest moment. Total sense! Meanwhile, Riker's team basically builds and flies Zephyr Cochran's warp ship on their own, since he's literally shit-pants drunk and can't say his own name, much less perform complex astrophysics equations. Also, who cares about history or the Prime Directive? Some action-y stuff happens, and the Borg are defeated, and also the warp thing happens, which means first contact with Vulcans happens. Good work, everyone. Now the now Enterprise can happen. Notice how I say, now Enterprise happens, the way they say, the neutral zone. 
Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. As you say, done. So, yeah, like I say, I didn't uh, I didn't dislike this one nearly as much as I, no. I remembered. But there were a lot of weird sort of leaps of logic and, and it's, like. It's got holes, you know, like I'm, I'll be the first to say that it doesn't work at all. No. It's basically two movies that don't really mesh well together. No. Well, and I'm usually not a fan of we screwed up history and now we have to go back and make history happen the way it was supposed to have happened. Like mm-hmm. that, that's never a story that I enjoy. Yeah. Well, that's actually, like it, um, my bad thing pretty much. Oh, well, go ahead. Yeah. Bad, uh, thing, bad thing is time travel doesn't make sense in the best of circumstances. And these are not the best of circumstances, no. particularly when you have our guys actively participating, something that both historians and normal people are just going to pour over. Like we all know that Neil Armstrong was the first guy to walk on the moon. And we also know that Buzz Aldrin was next to him, Michael Collins was circling the block, and Gene Krantz was downstairs. What are they teaching Trek history books? It was Zephyr Cochran and... Uh, yeah, in fact, you even pointed out there's a great line where Picard's looking at the warp ship, and he's like, I've seen this in the Smithsonian. And you're like, that's really cool, because, yeah, yeah. people in the future would be pouring over this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's going to be books, and, and everyone's going to write a biography of themselves. And, and Yeah. And also, Jordy's on the back seat. Jordy, Jordy and Riker. Just not fair. Not fair to whoever was supposed to be in there. And I, I, I assume one of them was supposed to be the dog because, you know, it, it was the dog. the dog. It was the dog. Also, there's a, there's a proud tradition of bringing your pets into space. So, uh, yeah, of course. You'd think they yeah. want to continue that. I was, well, they uh, do in, uh, in your favorite show. Uh, actually, that's why I got a beagle. So I can't complain too much. Mm. I was watching that show and I said, that's a cute dog. I'm going to get one of those. And so I did. That's, and it was. That's the secret origin of my dog. <laughs> God. Damn live dog. What's that? I always thought it was a Nixon thing. Well, that's why I named her Checkers. But that's a that's another thing. <laughs> Al's dog has a very complicated history. Yes, it's but less <laughs> golden age Checkers. <laughs> <laughs> Yet less complicated than this than this movie as far as uh, as far as time travel goes. Yeah, I I was never really clear on whether this ragtag group of people living in a shanty town were meant to be like displaced scientists from the war. Or, I mean, I think it's clear yeah, that they, they never really get into from it. the war. I don't know. Maybe they were just like enthusiasts, like nerds building their own little community. And, you know, mm. like you hear about that kind of stuff all the time where guys, you know, build their own thing. And they, well, we're going to we're going to brew our own beer and we're going to make our own country and we're going to be our own thing. You know, like because they're in Montana and that's where that kind of shit happens. Yep. It doesn't Actually, show up. But I never thought it. of that. That does make sense that Montana yeah. would be like a little pocket of civilization. Right, because everything everything significant has been bombed. Yeah, but who the fuck is going to attack Montana? They attack the bunch of militia guys up in Montana. Right, and all their all their cool nuclear stuff is underground. Yeah. So these are these are like Unabomber types. Yeah, Except that makes sense. Pretty much, they're not anti technology, but they're 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 the whole crazy sort of secessionist like, uh, you know, crazy political types. Yeah, that that makes that that makes Ephraim Cochran make a lot more sense to me now. It makes him a lot more worrying too. Well, yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead into my bad thing here because um, I've talked about this a lot, and I, I there is a bit of a correction. I still don't like Ephraim Cochran, but okay. There's a lot to like about this movie, and it's better than I remember. And I take back a lot of the bad things. But Zephram Cochran, it's not that he contradicts the previous depiction of him in the original series. I used to think that was my problem with it. It's not. I take that back. It's that, A, he's horribly acted by a guy who acts drunk the way Bugs Bunny acts drunk, <laughs> complete with fake hiccups and how dry I am on the soundtrack. 
I mean, he, he might as well be rubbing his eyes looking at pink elephants. He's just, you know, <laughs> everybody, look at me, I'm drunk. Just, just terrible. And B has absolutely no character arc whatsoever. He rightfully freaks out over everyone's weird, blatantly prime directive violating hero worship and runs off. Then Riker shoots him with a phaser and suddenly he's okay. I mean, I think he's meant to have learned something. And there is a bit later on where he's out in space and he looks at Earth and he has this this moment. But prior to that, he's completely just – he doesn't want any part of it. And then suddenly he does. It, it doesn't really make any sense to me. We never see the moment. We never get that point where the character's arc happens. We just – it's just sort of given – as, of course, that's what happened, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it just it doesn't make much sense to me as all. What changed him exactly? Also, the Borg Queen is stupid, but that's two things. Well, I can talk about the Borg Queen in a minute. Very well. But, uh, but Flunk, you've you've been itching to have this argument with me, and I've changed it up a little. So, well, you- yeah, that, you, you caught me off guard because my <laughs> whole thing was that it, it doesn't contradict uh, the previous depiction, and you actually agree with me. So, yeah, no, I throw Flunk under the bus. I was <laughs> I was wrong about that, but. I, I, um, do, you, do you agree I with me though? That, 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 no, I agree that it wasn't in the script. Um, mm-hmm. I think that he kind of like that. Um, Cromwell acts a little bit. Um, uh, kind of shows him changing a little bit, like you said, up in space, and then at the end when he meets the Vulcans, like he starts to like kind of grasp the. I get that the grand scheme of what's going on. I get that, but, but the moment I'm talking about is where Riker script, shoots right? him. Where he's, he's yeah, yeah, no, exactly. There's really no reason for him to go up into space. Literally running away. Yeah. And then decides, oh, I guess I'll go anyway. Now, you guys make a good point. I'm going to work towards that future you were talking about. That's all he needed to say. Once he actually does do it, then then he starts to realize, I think. Yeah, that's fine. It's just there's that, a... That's kind of the whole point. Of, well, that's the, his quote, too, that, that Riker throws at him, where he goes, uh, don't be a great man, just be a man and let history sort out the difference. Mm-hmm. That's where he's like, yeah, I realize that there's this whole legend about me, but the reality is I'm just a crazy drunk guy who just want to get rich. And it makes me wonder if there's some kind of like meta meeting there with uh, with Gene. Mm-hmm. Not that Gene is a drunk. I have no evidence of that. But no. in general, I'm I'm just some flawed guy who wants to make money. I'm, I don't have a great vision. Like he actually says that. And I'm curious because that fits Gene so well. Yeah. If maybe they, they didn't sort of mean that hero worship stuff to to have some double meaning there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't see any of that anywhere, um, but it also makes sense that they wouldn't say that. Well, no. So, but but the, we, we were openly mocking Gene's visionary vision. Well, that was a that was a thing that uh, Spiner and Frakes said when we saw them at uh, Emerald City a couple yeah, of years ago. Yeah, that was great. Where they were talking about Gene's visionary vision of a vision. It makes me wonder how long they've been making that joke. Yeah. And if it, you know, because the, that, that word was there, that visionary. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder if they were doing that on purpose. So... I don't know. Like I said, I don't love the go back in time and fix the problem thing. I don't like Cochran as a character and I don't like his abrupt change. That was, that was my, really my big problem with this, with this movie. But there's, there's a lot to like about it. And I think, I think the good really outweighs the bad when it comes down to it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you kind of needed the two plots to give the crew something to do because otherwise it's all the Picard and Data show. Yeah, you do. You get way more of everyone else than I thought you did in this movie. You get way more than you got in Generations, that's for damn sure. Or yeah. in the next two, if I recall correctly. I that I, I Which I probably don't. Can't speak to. I don't remember at all. All right, Matt, since we've already done our bad things, why don't you go ahead and get yours out of the way? So, like, you mentioned the Borg Queen and she just doesn't work. No. I mean, like, she's supposed to be the voice of the collective that the, the, the collective speaks with, right? Like, she's supposed to be the, the – her mind is supposed to be the hive mind. So how come she's completely different than every other board we've ever met? How come she's all weird and seductive and shit? 
Mm. Like, it doesn't work. Okay. Like, if she had just been the new Locutus, I would have been fine with it. Like, that yeah. makes sense. We've assimilated a new human, and now she's our mouthpiece. Yeah, like the Borg wants, like, a figurehead or something. That's fine. I can get behind that. But the idea is that she's been there since the Borg were created thousands of years ago. Right. And it doesn't, like, it just, it doesn't work. And she has to take female form, one, because insects have a queen, and two, Uh because she has to seduce Data. And three, because, you know, someone's got aliens. Yeah, give him a blowjob, exactly. Yes. Terrible. And three, what was that, Matt? (laughs) Because people have seen aliens. Well, right, of course. But that's the thing. Those are modeled after insects as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I know early, early on, the whole concept of the Borg was supposed to be more insect-like. That's what the uh, those insect yeah, creatures the, from uh, are they called? The, the, from yeah, conspiracy the guys, yeah, right, were supposed to be, and they ended up sort of splitting off into a different thing. But they never established it before. It was never once mentioned. It was sort of shoehorned into this when Picard's having his flashbacks, and suddenly you hear her voice. Yeah. And you're kind of like, wait a minute, that wasn't there before. And hey, look, I was in love with you the whole time. Yeah. And she even says, you know, I, I was there. I remember mm-hmm. I was trying to make you turn. And uh, But Flunk, I, I, you and I were talking about this during the movie, and they're really yeah. vague about it. And I think your they're, interpretation they is different vague than ours. About it, and she kind of, she even says, like, you're thinking about things too literally. Yeah, which is basically um, script writing code for we can't make sense of this, don't you worry about it. Yeah. But I always saw her, particularly how even though we clearly see the character die in this and then she shows up later on Voyager. Mm-hmm. Like, I always thought of, of of the Borg Queen as, like, like kind of the, the network hub to the collective's vast internet. And um, she just kind of is, like, the, the focal point for the collective that kind of just orders and makes sense of everything that's going on. But that's what was supposed to be scary about the Borg, is they didn't have a focal point, that everything was so evenly distributed that... Well, they don't... But, like, like the internet... Uh, you know, our human Earth internet doesn't have a, a focal point, but you still need something to, to you know, make sense of everything. I, I guess that makes sense. I don't know. I, I think we're both, uh, all three of us, reading stuff into it because we were not given enough information. Well, because we have to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Matt and I came up with, this doesn't make a lot of sense, whereas, Flonk, you're doing a little more of the mental legwork and you want it to make sense, so you're trying to think of ways that it does yeah. make sense. And I, I do think that she's, that she was supposed to be the new Locutus, and, and they kind of have, uh, okay. are, are trying to work in, more, in that direction. Which would have been fine if Instead they had done that. Instead of just that. having a drone that talks to have, like, a personality to go with it. Except she says she's been there for thousands of years, like Matt was saying, and... Because she's the collective. And she's... Uh, except Picard directly interacted with her. They said that. That's where it breaks down. Like, when, when he was being I'm turned not, into Locutus. I'm not saying it makes perfect sense, but it's it the best thing that I've been able to come up with. Okay, but... And all that said, I don't think seducing the robot makes a lot of sense <laughs> as as your your number one plan, either. Like, let's, I'm sorry, when you say seducing the robot, I automatically replace Data with Bender. <laughs> well, see, now that would make total sense, because Bender is great. Yeah. I mean, we've all heard the song. Why are you putting some dumb skin on me? <laughs> I don't want to be more meatbag, I want to be less meatbag. <laughs> I'm, 40, fleshy ass. I'm 40% meatbag, clonk, clonk. <laughs> dong, dong. <laughs> I don't know, I I do think it was a dumb idea. I I think we were all saying that we would have preferred... If it would have been just a movie about the Enterprise versus the Borg without the Queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I realized the movie that I wanted was the Enterprise gets stuck in deep space with, like, two Borg on board, and they're assimilating the ship. And, and then it gradually becomes more of a more of a thing. Yeah. yeah. That and would have been really cool. And no, they're stuck the, in um, – oh, go ahead. 
the um the producers or whatever wanted a uh yeah Berman wanted time travel uh-huh. um and and uh Ron Moore and Brandberger wrote it they wanted to do the Borg and yeah. so and this is what they someone came wanted up. like a, like they didn't want the Borg to just be zombies they wanted a face that was that was the studio they they saw yeah. the script and like but who's the villain but yeah the, the uh, zombie guys are hard to punch yeah but they're not ah uh, well whatever. Are you yeah. saying it's it's dumb that the studio made a decision, Al? Yes, I'm saying that it's dumb that the studio, studio made a decision. Made something stupid. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like, and I'm giving Braga partial credit here. It sounds like the writers had the instinct to write the movie that we all wanted to see, hmm. and that all the stuff that was added on that we didn't like was was brought on by other people. Well, something yeah. else that tells Ben Burns like we should do some time travel, and I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, I got tons of ideas. Yeah, well, I love time travel, and if you get an anomaly in there too, if you look at Memory Alpha, you can see the different time periods that they considered doing. And I'm so glad this was the least objectionable of the ones because they were going to do the American civil war. They were going to do the Renaissance where the Borg ended up in castles mm-hmm. and Leonardo we da Vinci know, was involved. We all know it's always good. Yeah, what is castles? What makes you think Borg castle? Like what, where is that mental connection that you would do that twice? I don't, I don't quite understand that. Well, clearly the Borg need a castle. That was the first thing. Yeah, I so mean, what we'll do is we'll have the Borg turn engineering into their new castle. Of course. And then it's a game of capture the flag. Yes. That makes total <laughs> sense. No, and, and they were going to involve Leonardo da Vinci in some way, mm-hmm. which I guess ends up happening in Voyager. So, yeah. So there's a feather in your ridiculous Renaissance hat. <laughs> in your giant poofy cap. <laughs> right. That's all. Uh, speaking of Voyager, there were a couple of cameos in here, and it's like, apart from the Defiant, we didn't get Dick from DS9. Yep. At all. DS9 is the sad, forgotten child of the Star Trek family. Yeah, and if they hadn't have had to have... Uh, That's true. The, uh, the Enterprise has been in two movies now. Which? So, uh, the uh, NX Enterprise has been in two movies now, so that means that they oh, have so more it has. movies to do Space Nine. Oh, yeah. that sucks. Yeah, they mentioned. Yeah. I think. I think in the first uh, in the first of the reboot movies, um, they mentioned Cardassians. I think that was the only sort oh, of yeah. t- tip of and the hat. Were that, next generation. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. they were in Voyager as well. Yeah. So. Well, no, no. The, the, the drink uh, Kirk ordered was a Cardassian Sunrise. Right. Or, or ordered it, so that would be Deep Space Nine. Okay. Yeah, but even so still. This is what we get. We get the Define and, and the Cardassian Sunrise. Right. Big yep. space but the thing is, I think if they didn't, if they didn't have a need to bring Worf into the story because they had written him into Deep Space Nine, that we wouldn't have even gotten the Defiant. No. I think that's the only reason that was there because plot wise, they needed to move the character back over to the Enterprise. See, and that's what bu- that that bugs me because, like, you know, yeah. And it's, it's the, this- it's the Defiant. It doesn't just have Worf on it. Like, half the, half the main crew heads over there whenever it, the Defiant heads No, up. it also had, uh, TV's Adam Scott of, uh, Parks and Rec fame. Oh yeah, that well-known DS9 character. <laughs> no, but it was cool seeing an actor that's, that's in a prominent, uh, role now. Oh, you know, yeah. I always enjoy that. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hawk's a big actor now, but he Is also he? got fat, so you, you, you can't recognize him. What's now he in now? Fat Hawk? Well, he's Dum Dum Dugan in, um, in Captain America. Is he? And- oh, no kidding. That's where he's, I've uh, seen he's him. He's been in a couple other things. Huh. Ensign Hawk, or is it Lieutenant Hawk? Uh, Lieutenant. Lieutenant. Yeah. Was supposed to be a gay character, and I don't know if that comes from, from fan, uh. Yeah, that comes from fandom. Does it? Yeah. Cause he had the big eyes and the luscious lips. lips. Ah. And so they just decided that he was gay then for some reason. I don't know. They do say Lieutenant Hawk about 16 times, which makes me, as soon as I'm forgetting that it's a movie from the 90s, they remind me by talking to, you know, Lieutenant Hawk and Ensign Blade. Lieutenant Hawk Striker. Right. <laughs> There's really not much more of a 90s name you could give someone without just calling him Lieutenant Extreme. 
just a little ridiculous. What about, what about Sergeant John Matrix? <laughs> okay, that's worse. Yeah. But only just. Yeah, so Lieutenant Hawk could have been the first uh, gay character in Star Trek, but that's all made up. And uh, yeah. Amanda, who makes the constant accusation that Star Trek doesn't have room for gay people in it, uh, continues to win. Because, yeah, they never yeah. they never say it. Well, there's still no gay people in Star Trek, so. But, however, there was an Ensign Lynch. Yes. Who didn't Again. make it? Who didn't make it through the story? Card shot me. Yeah. Well, you or your brother or yeah. your or your uh, uh, your. Don't you have another sibling? Uh, two other ones. Oh well. Wow. See, could have been any of you. Lynches. Forgot. Well, you know they're uh, they're Irish, so big big families. You know. Yeah. Oh come on. <laughs> don't get all silent like I'm like ooh Irish bad taste Al. Hold on, let me put my beard down. And, uh, <laughs> I'll take this. that beer. There you go. Are you and you haven't you barely even picked a fight with me now? Come on. I I, I got nothing. All right. Well, we've we've done our bad things, which uh, strange that we went in that direction like first. This movie, that's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, once again. Well, let's let's take the good things. Flunky, it's go easier ahead. to complain than praise. Of course. True. More fun too. <laughs> this is why I have Voyager Enterprise coming up in this uh, podcast about a great movie. Uh huh. So uh, why don't you tell us a good thing, Flunk? Um, I love all the new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the new ship is gorgeous. The uniforms are sharp. The the bridge is just like really alive and active. The new Borg look great. I and Frakes did a great job of showing every, off all the spaceship porn without being like really obvious about it. Like <clears throat> motion picture. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I didn't think I liked the Enterprise E, and I still don't love it. Like I think it's just because I associate these characters so much with the D that I kind of wanted to see. Like it would have been a lot cooler for me to see familiar locations being turned into Borg stuff. Mm. I would have had more emotionally invested because I'm attached to those those sets. But on the other hand, this stuff did look better. You're right. The the problem is that we've seen how that ship looks in a movie, and it doesn't look good. It looks cheap. Well, that's just because of the way they lit it. I bet Frakes would have done a better job. Mm. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of money. And, like, the bridge looked good, but everything else looked pretty bad. Yeah. No, I, and they went and blew it up anyway, so. Yeah. No, if you're going into the movies, it's time for, you know, it's, yeah, it's, they, they it's a movie. Either, you get a new ship when you get a movie. I That's suppose. I just, like I said, the Borg stuff in particular, like, if they had been taken over engineering as we know it, mm-hmm. I think that would have had a little more emotional impact to me instead of, here's a place I've never been, and now they're turning it into something else. Eh, I don't care. Well, you get a movie, you get a new ship, you get a captain's vest. Oh, that's true. He did have his vest. Yep. But I, I, what I'm saying is the, the ship stuff I don't 100% agree with you on, but everything else I totally do. I think the, the new Borg uniforms. So cool. In the this. Borg look way cooler because they have. And they actually did a really good because they have a, a little flashback with Locutus in the beginning and they kind of just made little subtle changes to him so he matched the redesign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was, it was subtle enough that it, it wasn't like that's not what you look like at all. Yeah. The uniforms, these are my favorite of all Star Trek uniforms. Yeah, oh, yeah. this is it. This is when, like, yeah. <clears throat> we get the, the really good DS9 uniforms. And they were, they were made for this movie, but I always think of them as the DS9 war uniforms because yeah. they come around just as the war storyline really starts to pick up. Yeah. And I just think of them as, as that, but they were made for this movie and they look great. They're fantastic. The, the gray with the, with the little sliver of color underneath. It's mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, like, the gray and the black looks really good. Yeah. They sort of combine different aspects of different uniforms from over the years and, and kind of make one solid one that looks more military than all the jumpsuits did, mm-hmm. which I really liked. And, uh, I didn't love the new bridge, but, uh, it, it definitely was more active. You're right about that. Yeah. It looks like a, you know, a, a big bridge of a, of a, of a star ship. That looked like a hotel lobby to me, but, uh, eh, I don't see it. 
just just very big and open. And I like think the, I think the D looks more like a, a cruise ship hotel lobby than this one did. Oh, I, I I agree with that. I just like I said, I got seven years to get used to that. Yeah, sure. So that's the difference. But no, you're right, and and we should definitely talk a little about uh, Frakes directing because he of the of the various cast members did the most directing on the series and did the best directing on the series. Yeah, and he was definitely a good choice, I think. Well, and he's still a director too. Is he doing? Is he doing? I stuff yeah, he still does. He does yeah. a lot of TV work now. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's had a move in a while, but mm-hmm. I know he does like Castle and uh, a couple other shows. That's cool. Well, I, one thing I like, and regardless of, of our opinions on DS9 Voyager Enterprise, the whole Star Trek machine kept, like, took care of its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, all these guys, if they wanted to work, if they wanted to guest star or, or direct or whatever, they let them. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was yeah, a very cool too, thing. Yeah, they always used the same production designers and everybody. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you'll see a Voyager episode directed by LeVar Burton. Yeah. Or something like that. And it's like, that's cool. It's cool that they keep these guys working. But this was definitely, I think, the best choice. As far as a guy who knows the actors the best, a guy with actually a pretty good eye for, for film, and it also, you know, gave him a chance to, and, to jump into something and bigger. And a character that you can just kind of push off to the side and not really be noticeable, too. Uh, I missed Riker, but, you know. I missed Riker, but there wasn't really a place for him in the starting. It wasn't like, um... No, it would have been like, contrived to get him more. was just kind of, like, shit in there. Yeah. Well, and there he was... He's like he still kept busy down on on Earth. He did. He was doing stuff. He was. You he, know, he, I mean, like he, he might not have been like you know the Picard or Data level. Well, most we were of saying that he just in pops in, does like his little one liners, and then pops right back out to yeah. uh, to go under. <laughs> well, it it very much felt like the director was just kind of standing off to the side, you know, making wisecracks, which is fine. Yeah, <coughs> for, works for the character too. Yeah, exactly. No, it was, uh, but I mean, you have a problem with all these movies, and I think this one did it best as far as, uh, the ensemble goes. Yeah. You, they, where Deanna had one really good scene and a couple of tiny little cameos, and that was it. Like, she's gone for, like, the, the last third of the movie, I would say. And Beverly, same thing. Mm-hmm. Where mostly it's their job to stand around and be part of the ensemble, and if you're lucky, you get a few speaking lines, but you, the story could go on just fine without you. Yeah. Like, I think you could have cut that Deanna getting drunk scene, as cute as it was. And it was. That was friggin' adorable. It was. But uh, you could have cut that and just introduced Cochran in a different scene, and it would have nothing would have been lost whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And Bever fucking not being able to keep track of five people. Yeah. I was looking forward. Continues to be the worst doctor in Starfleet. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Nurse Agawa. Yeah, she's blonde. Like, one of the only things she has going for her is gone now. Yeah. <laughs> The hell, lady! It's like it's like it's like uh, when Scully died or, or went back to her regular hair color. Next files. It's like, why would you do that? Oh, did she actually do that on the show? I think she did in one of the later ep- or seasons. Yeah, I know Julian Anderson did that in real life, but I didn't yeah. realize Scully did that on the show. Ah, like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, you were perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, give me a good thing. All right, I will. Uh, this is the first time we see the really fucking awesome starship battles that that. Uh, are going to become a staple of DS9. Mm-hmm. And there is nothing I like quite so much as a bunch of Starfleet ships fighting something. It's awesome. It is, and they have a movie budget, so they can pull it off in a way that Wolf 359 never did. Yeah, it's so cool! It really is. And the Borg ship looks much better up close than it did yeah. in Next Gen. Like, all the I, all the stuff that that battle in Best of Both Worlds should have been, mm-hmm. they did yeah. here. I always love they have the money and the time yeah. to actually do it correctly. Yeah. I always love the design of the Borg ship as being just this weird square scaffolding. Yep. Yeah. No, that's great. And we get that really great, really long pull out from Picard's eye, like to yeah, the whole that's ship. So cool. Which looked really nice. And uh, no, that, that first, 
10 or 15 minutes when we're setting up before they go back in time is just a solid. It's, it's 10 minutes, like at the 10 minute mark, they're back in time. <laughs> right. Like they get out of there fucking quick. <coughs> Which is good. This movie's paced way better. Yeah, yeah, it moves along at a good clip. Yeah. Although I'll say that about Generations too, because there, there was no time that I was looking at my watch in that movie, but. No, uh, that's true. Wow. But. I have a lot of problems with are. Generations, but it did move along. I, um, but this one as well. Like it, cause I, I feel like usually in most action movies, the third act just drags and drags. Like, okay, escalate the danger, then you're okay. Escalate the danger again, then you're okay. But, uh, this one, once they launch the Phoenix, is basically over. Yeah. Which is really nice. I thought that would go on forever and it didn't. So that was cool. No, but that, the, the space battle at the beginning, definitely everything we wanted to see in Best of Both Worlds and they just didn't have the money for. Yeah. No, it's so awesome. Yeah. And good to see the Defiant. Which is actually my good thing. Ah. Um, I'll just pull it up here. Uh, the Defiant! Guys, it's the Defiant! Guys, we get to watch Deep Space Nine in like two weeks! Yay! That's it. Sure do. That's my good first, thing. Uh, first, we're gonna slog through some mud, though. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty the runny night is mud. The darkest before the dawn, Matt. Yep. There's the, the first really great episode of DS9 is in season one. Mm-hmm. Which duet. is duet, yeah. So, I mean, there is some crap. I'm not going to deny that. But their crap in Season 1 is way more bo- tolerable than Next Gen Season 1. Yeah. Yeah. There's no great episode in Next Gen Season 1 at all. So uh, I no. don't agree with that. <laughs> okay, except for you. Ladies and gentlemen, Armis! <laughs> Fresh from his galactic tour. <laughs> from his marriage with Simon Tarsus. <laughs> to those of you who have uh, looked closely at our uh, supplemental covers. And if you don't, shame on you, because Vichelle's been doing an amazing job on those things. Shame. Yes. Uh, no, my real good thing is uh, another action sequence, actually, which is the whole uh, fight on the hull of the ship. That is so cool. Yeah, and it's true. such a cool idea, too. Well, we so rarely, from the original series on, go into space. Yeah. These guys hardly ever put on astronaut suits and actually go out into the vacuum. Yeah, you kind of forget that they're not, you know... In an office building, they're they're in a ship out in space. Right. Yeah. Well, because they so rarely. This is one of the things I liked about uh, Battlestar Galactica was they really conveyed the danger of there being just like one layer of metal between you and fucking cold oblivion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, getting sucked out the airlock was the big thing on that show, and mm-hmm. and it made you realize that you know all they got to do is open a door and you're fucked. Yeah. Whereas on Star Trek, you hardly ever get that that feeling. You know, you're all, you always feel safe out there. And it's cool that they have to go out and fight in zero gravity and in suits and the suits get punctured and they're fighting the Borg really slow. And it's, it all just plays out really, really well. Yeah. yeah and it's, Picard it's a does really a big crazy leap across the, like, across the deflector dish because mm-hmm. he can because there's no gravity. Yeah. He turns off the magnet boots and then jumps and then turns them back on. And, uh, yeah, very cool move there. Um, and I just, in general, really like the way the whole sequence plays out. You get a great sense of scale. There's a couple of nice, really wide shots where you see these tiny, tiny figures walking They're on the ship. They're pull out of, yeah, of the little guys walking on the hull of the ship. Yeah. Because you never get it. It's always like, let's look at a picture of a model. Now let's look at some guys in an office building. Like, you never get a sense of how they relate to each other. No. And it's very cool seeing those see guys that. walking across the bottom of the, uh, the saucer section. Yeah. It's so fucking cool. It was. It was a very... Of course, I'm also thinking it's going to take a long time to walk to the uh, deflector Well, that's dish. why they cut down to yeah. the planet and then yeah. come back to them all the way on the <laughs> other side. So, Mr. Worf, you know any songs? <laughs> Let's sing Ensign Hawk's like, I don't know that one. He's, he's gay, you see. Get off he's my sing- ship. He's singing show tunes. Right. Because he's fabulous. <laughs> he's so gay. 
he's so incredibly gay. Look at him. Look how gay he is. They, um, there, there's some like particularly great things like, uh, Worf brings his knife to the gunfight gun and fight, it actually, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Of course, yeah. Worf would bring a knife into space. Why wouldn't he? Well, and he ends up needing it. So, uh, yeah. you know, and that's the thing. They, like, oh, God. We talk about this like a lot during the episode where like lasers and phasers are fucking deflected by the Borg like that. No one ever thinks to bring a fucking sword. Well, they, there's this incredibly gratuitous holodeck scene that the more I think about it, the less sense it makes. And it already makes little sense. But where Picard get uh, it's a Dixon Hill thing, and he gets a Tommy gun, and he shoots the Borg, which is cool. But that's the only reason it seems to exist is that it's cool. It makes absolutely no sense yeah. in the story or, or logistically or anything. Yeah. But once he figures out that real bullets can shoot them, why don't they go fucking replicate a bunch of bullet-shooting guns? Yeah. Computer, shotgun. Yeah, exactly. And then, then you got a whole, you know, like, um, Saints Row thing going on. Yes. You're going around, like, shooting aliens with guns. Oh, that sounds awesome. See? Now, I mean, of course, you got to worry about puncturing the hull and whatever, but, you, you know, eh. you got to worry about that with a phaser, too, I'm sure. Eh. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, when you put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> See? <laughs> My argument has won you over. And like I say, that holodeck scene makes absolutely no sense, but it no. is cool. It, it is. It, it, it's cool. It doesn't, it, there's no reason for it to be there. No. And it's another example of the movies having a bigger budget and making the holodeck look less like you're on a back lot and more like you're immersed in a world. Mm -hmm. Like the, uh, like the nautical enterprise in the previous movie. And that was cool. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that. The giant ballroom with all the, all the dancing people in the forties thing and the guy lighting a match on his nose. Yeah. Picard does the old make out with the girl so that you don't get turned into a cybernetic zombie trick. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, one, that, that one works chestnut. every time. That old chestnut. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. Where the hell was Guinan in all this? Her whole thing is the Borg. She was um, off training. Whoopi ben. Goldberg actually had the same question. Ah, I really? Think, I think Brian yeah. might've brought this up last week. I, I wasn't the one who uh, originally thought of that, but it is a good point. Hmm. Which was, the, yeah, I mean, that's her whole thing. Her whole thing is my, you know, my people. Yeah, her quote is, uh, I forget exactly, it's on memory alpha somewhere. It's like, you can't, I thought that you couldn't really do a, a Borg story without Guinan, but apparently you can. <laughs> well, they showed me. Maybe they were worried that she was too much a part of the uh, previous movie and they didn't want to make the movies all about Whoopi Goldberg, which, you know, yeah. makes sense. I understand that. I mean, she wasn't that huge uh, part of Generations, though. No, I didn't think so either, but, eh, whatever. Ah. Ah. I think most of it comes down to the reason I thought I didn't like this movie is because I thought all the problems sort of stacked up and bugged me. And I'm on the other side of that now where it's like I, there are a lot of problems, but it's like, eh, it's just a movie. Who cares? Just relax. Yeah. Whereas with, say, Into Darkness, they can't do that. No. The problems stack up and I can't just say, ah, it's a movie. There's there's too many of them. But in this one, for whatever reason, I'm I'm fine with it. It's fine. Whatever. No, this is, def this is definitely my favorite of the TNG movies. I I don't know. I, I still I, I don't want to get into because you guys already did, but I really didn't like Generations. I have yeah, so I know many problems. I See, and I have problems with and them. And you guys care. are going through a good thing. I was going, yeah, but I hated that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. No, I like Generations. I don't know what to tell you. It might it might be that nostalgia thing. It might be because it was such a highly anticipated thing. It came out when I was like 20 and I was at the height of my Star Trek fandom and I was just like, oh, this is so great. I'm so, I can't wait, you know. Exactly. That's pretty much when, uh, when this one came out was my, the height of my Star Trek fandom as a kid. Ah, so. That's true. And you're, you're definitely biased toward this movie, I would say. Oh yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're here to talk about our opinions, not about objective facts, but yeah. 
This is exactly the kind of Star Trek TNG movie that a kid would want to watch. Yeah. That's it's true. fucking it's fucking nuts. I don't know that a kid necessarily wants to see a, a an old drunk guy go take a leak. Yeah, but all no, like the kid, stuff no, in the kid uh, thinks that's funny. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah, a kid would think that's funny, and all the stuff in the Bilderborg workshop is like gross <laughs> yeah. without being like. No, that really was a, disgusting. That was a nice little scene. Oh god, that's so cool when they've got the guy with like they they've got the guy's arm off, and there's just like a weird sort of <laughs> screw in hole. Did you say you got the guy's armus? God damn it. <laughs> See, it is annoying, isn't it? Go in the, go wait in the green room. <laughs> it's a black room now. Oh, it's all covered in armus. <laughs> what did you do to this bowl of M and M's? I don't like the green ones. Ah. Oh, uh, what else? Go throw a lieutenant uh, rock. when they replaced the guy when they took off the guy's human hand and replaced it with a tiny, tiny robot hand. Oh, right. <laughs> And then, uh, oh, I, I think the thing I liked the best about that uh, about that little sequence was the dude with the thing in his eye. Yeah, that was cool. That or they the, then... uh, the little cutest scene when when Picard gets a drill like right onto his eyeball. Yeah. Yeah, that was the. Yeah. I figured a certain kind of person would go uh, ah, and then we're watching it, and Matt goes ah, like yeah, yep, that's the kind of person. <laughs> the the thing at the beginning. I'm sorry, I think it's weird. I think it's creepy when someone gets a needle in the eye. Yeah, but there's plenty of things in movies that you would hate in real life, and they just don't bother you in movies. That's true. And that's uh, that's one of those things. Make a list here somewhere. Do you? Probably. I make oh. a lot of lists. Oh well, you are a nerd. It's true. The uh, the thing Story at the checks out. The thing at the very beginning where uh, they order Picard not to go to uh, to to the battle, and he just he just decides to go anyway. That yep. felt way more Kirk to me than Picard. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like Picard, that's not usually his style to say. Well, I'm not, you know. And then, then of course, you got the great "ha ha" data line. I, if I, I, if I were human, I would say to hell with our orders. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> Spock. Yeah, just a just a little too much. I do like that they arrive at the fight and the admiral that ordered them not to. Head, <coughs> so, yeah, they make a point of saying that too. The admiral yeah. ship has been destroyed. Oh, great, we're not in trouble then. <laughs> Pew. Oh, yep. and also, I'm taking command now. Yeah. Hey everyone, listen to me. Do you think any of the other captains will be like, "Wait, what? No, I'm Wait, in charge." You mean Lacutus of Borg? Like, oh, fucking Picard again. Yeah. Oh, this guy. That could be. Really, Picard? You want to take charge of the Borg fight? Did you uh-huh. kill like half of us? I thought they didn't invite you for a reason. Well, Where's Cisco? He knows how to fight in a war. I can't believe they left me at home. <laughs> He's got to keep an eye on the screen door guarding the wormhole right now. <laughs> Who? Org? Uh, we had a chance to see him when we were at uh, Rose City Comic Con last weekend, and uh, we did not take that chance. We were we were chained I, to the I, table. I saw him at uh, Dragon Con, and he is delightfully insane. Does he do that thing? Because I right now I'm going on our friend Fourth Man's uh, impression of him. That's pretty much who he is. Does he do the <laughs> ask himself a question thing? Yeah, yeah, he does that, and he's he's just like. Like, really manic, relaxed, and like oh, people would ask relax. him a question, and he would go off on crazy tangents. Huh. That's yeah. kind of awesome. He, like, like, yeah, insane, but not in, like the annoying Shatner way, just like a oh, this guy rolls kind of way. <laughs> huh. Well, I can't wait to, to see it, which is in two weeks. Matt, Matt can we uh, we can take a vote? We're but we're, we 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 too have the controlling interest in this show. Who yeah. votes for skipping the next two movies and moving to DS Nine? I. Okay. Motion oh, carried. Hey. I. <laughs> Motion carried. I want to watch Insurrection with you guys. Oh man, I don't even know who our that guest is next week. Insurrection is. To... 
I created Romulan vampires. <laughs> uh, I'm evil. That's the thing is, like, I don't think any of these movies on paper, whether you like them or not, none of them have a good villain on paper. Let's see. Yeah. Here's here's an old man who wants to go to space heaven. Here's right. uh, the board. Have time like it's a fucking egg pun. <laughs> That's true. He does. Here's here's the Borg. They have a queen now for some oh. reason. Here's I don't know who was even the who was even the villain. Uh, in the guy who's Amadeus. Guy. Oh right, was it Amadeus or was it Salieri? I don't know. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Oh, that's too it's bad. Really it's a bad. good movie. What Amadeus? It's a great movie. Yeah, it's a great. Direction. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That one's not so good. That's not the one with the dune buggy, right? That's the other one. No, that's, uh, that's the last one. Nemesis. Uh, no, Nemesis, because that's where they find before with Bane and Ron, with Bane and Hellboy. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, on paper, that one sounds pretty good if it's Bane and Hellboy. Yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, you did watch that. I'll watch anything with Bane in it. Watch it again. That's the beauty of it. Uh, okay, what else? Uh, uh, so Picard finds out that the Borg are on his ship because his Borg sense starts tingling or whatever. Yep. Uh-huh. And, and then, so, like, this never came up before, but apparently whenever the Borg are around, they go, haps, haps, haps. Well, but only there is actually a really cool, creepy. It's really deep in the background. You have to listen here, but you hear a quick little surrender, Jean Luc. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, and then the Borg Queen flies by on a broomstick and smells. I um, I just get you and your little fish too. My fish died in the last movie. I I didn't like how their first clue, plot-wise, that the Borg were still on the ship was that they were turning the thermostat up. Yep. Well, that's how we can tell. They like it warm. Because Riker, in his role as ship's dad, kept wondering why the thermostat kept getting tough. Right. So, Damn it! Listen, that doesn't necessarily mean that the that the Borg are here. It might also mean that Troy's turning into a frog again. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Damn it, we're not paying to heat the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> Who left the shuttle bay door open? <laughs> uh, sorry <Borg>. about that. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. I don't even work here anymore. Come in here and steal a shuttle? Uh, I don't know. I don't work here anymore. What do I care? <laughs> I'm working over there now, that other place. I got a sweet, I got a real sweet gig going. Yep. Uh, what else? I actually don't have a, a ton more to say. I think we've covered most of my major uh, points. Let's see here. The amount of notes I fucking took. Jordy had cool, cool shades. Yeah, he, uh, he, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is one of LeVar Burton's, like, I am not wearing that fucking thing again. If you want me to do this movie, you're gonna, something's gonna have to change. So they gave him, like, creepy blue eyes. Yep. And, um,. Yeah, and then he wore the Snicker Man shades. <laughs> yeah, shut up, kid! Yelling <laughs> it at the ceiling. Yep. But that's only funny to three of us, and it's the three of us. <laughs> We're all yep. three right here. <laughs> that's okay. Data, you jumped over some of my buses! <laughs> uh, what else? Data getting skin. I guess we should talk about that. Oh, yeah, Data really like the, um,. The data seduction stuff. Really? And it, uh, it should annoy me. Like, that kind of stuff is general. But yeah, I think they were both really good acting actors in it. So Yeah, what's her name? Alice Creech. She was uh, yeah. she was pretty good as the Borg Queen. I just don't like the character. Yeah, yeah, just no. the character doesn't she, she work. Does, she does fine. It's just the character doesn't work. She does, And there's definitely a weird line she walks because there is some sexy there. Yeah. Along with the creepy, robot-y, Creepy you know. grossness. Right. Also, she has such a cool entrance. She does. I she love has a that really uh, cool entrance, and she does look cool with like her yeah. weird tube hair and, and mm. the chest hooks and stuff. Yeah, and we had to look really close, sort of at the HD version, but there's she's got little lights blinking under her skin. 
Yep. Which is neat. And, uh, no, it was well designed. Yeah, no, there, there would, it's just, there's a way to do that where it <coughs> worked better. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, that's mm. not what happened, so. But no, I like, um, I like her strapping skin to data. I, I, I guess symbolically I do, like, that gives data a nice little arc of like, well, you wanted, you said you wanted to be human, eh? And she, <laughs> you want to be I a hate, human, do you? Yep. I hate skinny the skin sprite. <laughs> no skin! <laughs> ah! And I do like that she kind of turns him into like an inverse Borg where he's a robot with a human arm and a human eye. <laughs> yeah, that I was I never creepy. caught that before. That's really clever. Yeah, that was. But uh, otherwise, you know, I mean, you could have, you could have done away with that whole subplot as well and it really wouldn't have changed very much. No. If you just have Picard fight his way to the center and then kill whatever, yeah, it would have been it, the same. Really, if you think about it, Data is not in this that much. No, he's not, but they also give him, you know... They the, also give him stuff to do. Yeah, they yeah. do. Like can- well, I mean, it's obvious that when they make these movies, we've said this before, that it's the Picard show starring Data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that, they know that's what the audiences want to see the most, and so they in try to get case, Data. It's the you know. Picard show starring Lily. Right. Which, you know, she was fine. Yeah, she was fine, but she should have been Bever. Yeah, there's a yeah. there's a whole scene where she's got this. Um, she gives him a, a, a moral speech to to calm him down and to you know, whatever. And uh, it totally sounded like something Bever should have done. And instead, yeah. she's just standing around being blonde. Ugh. Good work, Bever. Stupid blonde Bever. In fact, when he's still sort of crazy and ranting, isn't that uh, isn't that your quote, Flunk? Uh, yes, it is. Actually, oh. it's the most well known quote in the movie, so that's right. why I picked it. Don't sacrifice the Enterprise. We've made too many compromises already, too many retreats. They invade our space, and we fall back. They assimilate entire worlds, and we fall back. Not again. The line must be drawn here, this far, no farther. I will make them pay for what they've done. In fairness, you originally picked the... uh the version from DS9, but Which uh, is better. yes, yeah, but I can't, I, I can't. The temptation is too great. I appreciate you switching it to the uh, to the Man. regular one. Uh, well, since we're doing quotes, Matt, what do you got? I got the worst line in the entire movie. <laughs> Was it assimilate this? No, I guess you got the worst line in the entire. No, movie. I didn't. I didn't get assimilate this. But no, well, then was... I got the second worst line in the entire okay. movie. It's fine when Q says it. When you say it, Zephyr and Cochran, it just sounds like shit. And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. Yeah, that was pretty terrible. The The line I'm talking about is where um, they, they've done the whole sequence on the on the hull of the ship like I was talking about. And uh, they, they get one last thing to shoot. And Worf just aims his rifle and goes, assimilate this. Like, ugh, really, dude? No, he actually doesn't really say it that bad, as he says it worse. Oh. Assimilate this. Hey guys, assimilate this. <laughs> That's what we need to see is a Borg Armus. They call it's me too much evil. Where they assimilate, you know. All my implants keep on sliding off. <laughs> uh, my quote is there's, there's that great bit of sarcasm that I was talking about in my summary. And I just, I love the way this plays out where, uh, Riker's like, well, we're doing what they told us to do. Yeah. And, uh, here's, here's that. What do you have? We finished our first sensor sweep of the neutral zone. Oh, fascinating. 20 particles of space dust per cubic meter, 
52 ultraviolet radiation spikes and a class 2 comet. Wow, this is certainly worthy of our attention. That just amused me on... on That's great. Both of them are great in that scene. Yeah, because yeah. Rocker's just like, well, here you go. And then Picard's oh, yeah, this is great. Very interesting. A <laughs> comet, huh? Woo. Which, you know, I'm always the a sucker for that The neutral kind of zone. Yep. All right. Any any final thoughts? Anything we uh, haven't covered that we should cover? It's here. Um, I want a tumbler that's just worth sighing. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> There's definitely a few moments in this one that you could add to that pile. Well, that's just one that it's just been building for like seven years now. <laughs> like, I just love seeing Worf annoyed. Well, he's he's like Kiff. Yeah. You, well, uh, yeah, like he'll start to say something and then he's like, ah, forget it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Oh, boy, uh. sir. <laughs> you, you lay out my formal shorts. <laughs> my formal vest. My tiny, tiny rope. And then he goes and yells at Alexander because two nuts are touching. Right. Wait, what? That that one episode of Futurama where Kiff, where uh, Fry's working for Kiff and he's awful. Oh right, right, right. I remember now. Of course, uh, Matt. Any any last things? Final whatever. No. Very well. <laughs> that wraps it up for first contact. Then, Flock. Always a pleasure. I'm, we're going to talk to you again for DS9. I assume. Yep. Mm-hmm. Have you have you already staked your claim? I don't I don't remember. Uh, for the, the first season, head. yeah. Very well. That's all I have planned out so far. Just, just through 2013, but, mm. uh, you know. Uh, what do we need to plug? Just just the usual stuff. The website, postatomichorror.com. You can write to us, postatomichorror at Gmail. Um, we did have our Rose City uh, appearance last week, as I mentioned. We had a great time. Uh, had the puppets out. Made a lot of new friends, I think. Yep. Uh, if you were listening to the show because of that, thank you. Uh, justify our efforts of packing up the car and driving a couple hundred miles with the puppets. Mm. So, uh we appreciate that. Our app is free in the iTunes store. If you have an iOS device, you can, uh, you can, you can check out our app for nothing right now. And we are hard at work on volume two of our episode guide, which will cover all of next gen. So working harder, hardly looking forward working. to that. Uh, <laughs> actually, I think it's that one. Your, your, your pun is, uh, well, uh, well and well accurate, well, well and true accurate there, Flonk. Good, good job. Wait so, pun, uh, punny. yes. Next week, we will be doing, is Insurrection the next one? Insurrection. Insur- <laughs> we'll be doing the neutral zone. We'll be doing Insurrection. Oh boy. So look forward to that. And I, I don't, I know, I don't know if I said this on the show though. I think that Insurrection is half of a good movie. That's fair. Uh, we, we will be doing that with our pal Irish Gav. It'll be in half of a worse movie. <laughs> I don't even know. Irish Gav's going to be on with us. And I don't even know. Hologram if- ship and ever talking about her boobs and then it's just kind of I, spoilers <laughs> oh you oh, like- sorry i didn't mean to ruin somebody's quote that's all right no our, our pal irish gav will be joining us for that and uh i don't remember if that's one of those well this is the only one left or if he actually can defend it but uh we'll find out that's what nemesis is for <laughs> yeah well it could be worse could be star trek 5 that's true don't i know it yes yes you do well you know it well Yep. All right. Uh, Flunk, thank you. Matt, say your thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. 
We're just doing this for fun. 